0: Purdue follows up a game versus Iowa in which they played very disciplined football and had very few penalties, with a game versus Illinois that was marred with penalties, mistakes, and a quarter in which the offense, defense, and special teams all played very poorly. Yet, they still came out with the victory 31 24 versus Illinois. Let's talk about it. Take a moment, visit a couple of our sponsors. GridironMetalWorks.com, good friends of ours, uh, and they're Purdue people. You can get custom grates and griddles over there at Gridiron Metalworks, Something from Purdue, another school, or the military branches. Check them out. Of course, our friends at Martin Vintage, MartinVintage.com, where you can get uh, right now. They have a great new sweatshirt with Pete swinging the hammer and the block P on the sleeve. Check them out, martinvintage.com. And finally, if you're in town, if you're in West Lafayette, go to AJ's, eatajs.com. One of their 20 beers on tap, AJ's Burgers Beef Beer. Those guys are our pals. Check them out. So uh, Purdue goes to Champaign, Illinois, and before the game even started, there was big news. There was kind of a, uh, a buzz happening around because it sounded like Illinois was going to be down a player or two uh, thanks to covid Turns out uh, they were down their starting quarterback, their backer quarterback, and 13 other players, which right away that made it look like Purdue should be in a really good uh, position to succeed. And when you look at the score, 31-24, the final from Champaign, uh, Purdue walks away with the victory. It seems that they handled their business. And when you really look at the box score, the fact that Purdue was up 31-10 to at the end of the third quarter. It looks like things were going according to plan until the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, the offense uh, pretty much sputtered there, came to a complete halt altogether. And at the same time, the uh, punting unit fell asleep as well. Uh, Cormier uh, shanked a couple of them, gave Illinois a short field, and then the defense jumped into the act by allowing Illinois' uh, first-time starter, fourth-string quarterback, Taylor to drive down the field on two different occasions. Illinois had 14 points and Purdue had zero in that quarter, and the game got a lot closer than it should have. Defense was inconsistent. It was a bit of a mixed bag, and I'll talk about that in a second. But overall, it really felt like a game that was not played well by our Boilermakers. On the offensive side, uh, O'Connell started again. Uh, If you look at his stats, they were simply brilliant. He finished the game 29 of 35, 371 yards, and two TDs. But the stats in this one surely don't tell you the whole story, much like all the stats here for our Purdue Boilermakers today. AOC's numbers look like a guy who would be all-conference, honestly. 29 of 35, 371 yards, two TDs, no interceptions is pretty darn great. But he missed some key reads as Illinois uh, brought some different looks. He didn't pick up the blitzer. He took some costly sacks. One of them in particular uh, was a loss of about 13 yards, and then Illinois got the ball back two plays later and then scored uh, shortly after that. That was a a big one. His reads were a bit slow at times. David Bell played amazingly again. He had nine catches, 122 yards, and a touchdown. His longest catch was 30 yards, but maybe his catch of the game was the game clincher down the right sideline with Purdue... In the shadow of uh, Illinois' goalpost, they really needed to get out of there so they could at least punt the ball comfortably, if not get a first down and uh, end the game effectively. And Bell went up with a right handed, (laughs) a one handed, right handed catch. O'Connell put it on the money, put it only where Bell could get it. But it was amazing. Illinois defender was draped all over him. On top of Bell's big day, the 122 yards there, Horvath. Had 22 carries for 102 yards. He is, once again, that's three straight games for Horvath over 100 yards starting last year versus IU. Uh, he had a TD to add to that, and he had seven catches for 71 yards. Horvath looks like a weapon, but Horvath also struggled. Uh, he fumbled the ball twice. Uh, One of them was very costly. Purdue was about to score. They were down on the four-yard line, I believe, when he fumbled. He was stripped from behind by, it looks like, an Illinois defensive end. Illinois recovered the ball on about the two-foot line, and Purdue's drive stalled. And this is kind of the rub. Purdue did this over and over, where they didn't really take advantage of the situation they have. Um, Wright had another big game. Uh, Again, Wright started the game really strong, and even into the... Second or third quarter was a threat. He he took another hard hit, but came right back in. About two uh, possession later, he finished the game with five catches, seventy nine yards, and a TD. Also, uh, Durham had a couple big catches. Sparks had a couple catches. Sheffield Anderson uh, they all had catches as well. So uh, O'Connell was spreading the ball around uh, like he he does. He was. Um, he was using the weapons. Uh, one thing we didn't <laughs> see this week, which we saw last week, which O'Connell seemed not apprehensive at all to throw across the middle. Purdue stretched the field, especially early in, early in the game. They had a couple long passes. That's a big deal to have the defense kind of back on their heels, and it looks like Purdue had had Illinois right where they wanted them at the end of the third quarter, and yet uh, the game got way too close in the fourth quarter. It was tough to watch as both the offense and the defense, and then finally the special teams got involved and everybody made the game much closer than it needed to be. On the defensive side of the ball, Purdue played an interesting game, a good game uh, at times, and a bad game at other times, just like the rest of the team. Uh, They had two sacks. Um, Karloftis had a a sack and uh, was injured. He had a high ankle sprain, it looks like to me. He came back. With his helmet, with his full uniform, after going into the locker room, it looked scary for a minute. It looked like he might have broken his ankle, but he came back and never re-entered the game. But he came back to the sideline. Purdue's defense also had two interceptions, which is great. And those interceptions were by Barnes and Cam Allen, who continued to play very well. Cam Allen had a couple boneheaded plays, but really playing very, very well as is Barnes. Barnes was all over the field; seemed to be around the ball all day. Um, as was uh, Mitchell, who played another great game. <clears throat> Mitchell continues to pretty much lead the defense in a lot of different categories. But the biggest one, he had 11 tackles. And uh, a couple of them were very, very important. I think he had one or two for a loss. Uh, Thienemann had seven tackles. Uh, a very quiet day from Thienemann, it seemed to me. While um, seven tackles is a, is a very good day. Uh, I just don't remember seeing him all that much until the fourth quarter. One Big problem. It felt like the defense had all day they couldn't get off the field, whether third or fourth down, because Illinois went for it a few times. Uh, they didn't slam the door shut on Illinois, and Illinois kept drives alive. And, uh, in spite of the fact Illinois was playing their fourth string quarterback, like I was saying, um, they, they allowed for, uh, I'd say, way too much rhythm from Illinois. <clears throat> Dellinger had a solid game. He was one for one. He was kicking the ball relatively well. There was a stiff headwind, but he still kicked it um, into the end zone a couple times. One time he kicked it to the goal line. Illinois brought it out. But every time Illinois would try to bring it out, they wouldn't get it to the 25, so it seemed to work out pretty well and produce favor. So we see the same thing again. This is an odd thing. I thought last week we saw Brian Brahms' coaching signature, which was a lot more conservative than Jeff Brahms. This week we see a very similar offense. Was not spread out much of the time. The tight ends were in tight much of the time. Purdue ran the ball up the middle much of the time. And it might have worked out really, really well had it not been for Horvath's second fumble specifically. Um, that would have, it, it seems like it would have been a kind of a punctuation mark. Uh, but instead, Purdue shot themselves in the foot over and over on this day. I think it's a good game from a coaching spe- uh, standpoint because you get the win. Purdue gets the win. They improved to 2-0, and now they're going to head to Wisconsin um, where they're going to play a team. Hopefully, they'll play the game next week. There's a lot of rumors going around that that game might not happen because of Wisconsin's COVID outbreak. But if they play, um, Purdue has plenty of things to work on. Jeff Brahm and Brian Brahm and Coach Shepard and company, Coach Diaco, they can all say, man, we've got some work to do. We've got our work cut out for us. And there are times in the game where we simply had lapses that are unacceptable. We'll see what they can do. Uh, we'll see if they can improve. And if they can, it's going uh, to be a fun one to watch. Perhaps Purdue can break this horrible, horrible cold winter versus Wisconsin and leave Madison with a victory. We'll see. Purdue set to play Wisconsin next week. Thanks for tuning in uh, to Boiled Sports for our postgame wrap-up. Hope you have a great day. Let us know what you think about this new format. We'll talk soon.